Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. It's, uh, it's just so beautiful to be here and see this stunning building. What a beautiful building. And even more than that, to see your beautiful faces because God is building within the building. He's building your life. Your greatest days are in front of you. The title of my message this morning is Revive Warfare. Revive Warfare. This is, this is something that a lot of people don't realize is... Uh, that the blessing of God absolutely is free. Pastor Jake shared so brilliantly that, that God's intention, and God has already sent, blessing towards you is already in motion. But the Bible introduces in Genesis chapter 3 that a curse is on the earth. I need you to understand the curse is not on man. God did not curse man. God did not curse Adam. Because in Genesis 1, God blessed Adam. God is not bipolar. God is not schizophrenic. And God does not live in time. That's how we know he's the real God. So it wasn't like, well, I blessed you in one, but you screwed up in three, so now you're cursed. God blessed in one. He, he, God does not live in time. So man is blessed, but the earth has a curse. When Adam and Eve sinned, he said, cursed be the ground for your sake. Out of sweat, out of toil, out of struggle, the earth will almost seem like it's reluctantly yielding to you its increase. One of the reasons that we're fairly patriotic around here is because we know that just because of the curse in the earth, your labor and your toil is against, is against what seems to be difficult for you to prosper, to then have a government getting fatter and fatter and greedier and greedier, wanting to reach into your pocket and take more and more of the money that you have labored, that you have toiled, that you have earned. We were just in Italy, 59% is what they were paying in tax. The, the, restaurant, the restaurant manager that we were talking to, 59 cents out of every dollar he earns goes to the Italian government. Greedy, so that's why, that's why we believe in limited government in the United States of America. The smaller the government, the freer the people. The bigger the government, the more bondage the people. Because there's a curse in the earth, what Pastor Jake was, was sharing is that when we bring the tithe, the tithe is so powerful because the Bible says that it's, it's the first fruit and it's the first that redeems. When, when you bring the first to God, the 90% becomes holy. So what that means is 100% working under a curse is nowhere near as powerful as 90% under blessing. When that, That's why you'll find that the people that begin to tithe think, my God, why didn't I do this sooner? And the, and the people that don't tithe can't afford to tithe. I remember when I first joined the, the church, I had a 
we had a beautiful gentleman who's still one of the uh, board members of Awaken, and uh, and he said, and he's, he's from uh, uh, North Carolina. He's like, Pastor, you ever know there's people that can't tithe, uh, people that can't afford to tithe don't tithe? I'm like, yeah. And the people that can't afford to tithe do tithe? He said, yeah, yeah. He goes, have you noticed that? I said, yeah, yeah, you know, but, you know, I'm trying to preach and help people. He goes, no, Pastor, you're not hearing me. People that don't tithe can't afford to tithe. I said, I know, I know, but we're working on it. He goes, no, no, Pastor, you're not listening. <laughs> the people that do tithe can afford to. The people that, and it's because he was, he was communicating, and he's much older than me, his life experience that he saw there is a curse in the earth. Not only is there a curse in the earth, but I'm not sure if you notice there is evil in the world. There is evil in the world. Many years ago, there was a movie called Air Force One. Harrison Ford was in that. He was the president. And the opening line goes like this. He says, peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of justice. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of justice. I say all of that to say this, that... God wants you to walk in blessing, but we live in a world that has, has created a lie, fabricated a lie, propaganda around the concept of peace, that somehow it's coexistence. We have coexist bumper stickers, and somehow, you know, if, if we're just nice to them, they'll, they'll be nice to us. No matter how nice you are, it does not extinguish the wickedness and the evil that's in the devil's heart. It does not extinguish and transform the wickedness that is in demons. It does not stop the wicked in the earth from being wicked. Evil never rests. Evil is never at peace. Evil does not operate in the law. And so therefore, warfare is required. If, if there is peace, it's because we secured that territory. We have sentinels guarding that territory, and there is peace. We then just go to Israel, and every place where there's peace, it's because they have had to go to war in order to have peace. I know it's not popular, but it's the real deal. And so we're here to preach to you that God wants you to understand that He wants to revive areas in your life, but you need to understand Paul, the Apostle Paul, says, I want you to put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, feet shod with the preparation, belt of truth. This wasn't a fashion accessory. This wasn't a fashion statement. It was a reality statement that you and I live in a world where there is a devil, where there is evil, who is a thief, who comes to kill, comes to steal, comes to destroy. And so you better understand that, hey, it's not just the blessing of God that flows into my life. The blessing of God comes, but there's some warfare that, that is attached. I've even found that the warfare required to get something is the warfare required to keep something. So in this place, we want to bring you and lead you into, into breakthrough. I say all of that to say this now, that, that in East County, we have mission. We are on mission. We are on an assignment. And the assignment is always redemption. It's always salvation. It's always deliverance. You know, there's a stigma around East County, but we, we're going to change that stigma. I believe that God's favorite county in all of San Diego is East County. Sherry, is it true the best-looking people live in East County? Hello. Joy Shooty, hello. Best, the most anointed, the most blessed, the biggest breakthrough. 
you know, uh, there's recovery centers, and even this morning driving in, I saw, you know, a, a very broken gentleman sitting there as a homeless person holding a sign up against a street light. God has got bigger plans for that man. That's, that's, not, the, that's not God's plan for him to sit and beg with a, with, a, with a sign. But the devil is a liar. But we're here to drive out the devil. Jesus cast the devil out. Did you notice that? Heaven cast Jesus out. And when Jesus came on the earth, he said, oh, you guys are down here. And he cast him out. Everywhere he found the devil, he cast him out. You know what we're doing in East County? We're casting the devil out. We're casting the uh, uh, devils of addictions. We're casting out the devils of hopelessness. Casting out the devils of depression, anxiety, suicide, poverty. You better believe it. Now, if you're carrying a devil, get ready because we're gonna, you're going to start feeling a little bit uncomfortable because we're going to drive that thing out. In Jesus' name. So, so we're in a series called Revive. And I want you to know uh, that I have no problem. In fact, this week's Pathfinders event kind of only doubled down. It was like a double down dare you. Keep preaching what you're preaching. You're on point. Because our guest speaker there spoke about all the magnificent things that he was able to do to build homes for people that didn't have homes and extraordinary miracles. He says, I can only do that because I have businesses that make profits. And I thought, my God, it's, it's the greatest amen. People are looking at me saying, I'd never met him before he came. But, but we had other people saying, Pastor, it was like he was an awakened member because he was preaching the awakened culture. He had no idea. He was so congruent with kingdom culture. That's why people couldn't distinguish. Is that is he an awakened guy? No, he's not. He lives in Florida, but he was on point. So come with me now to, to Genesis, uh, to Genesis, Exodus, uh, not even Exodus, Ezekiel. Thank you. Ezekiel 37. I knew I'd get it right. I was just testing you. Ezekiel 37. It's three powerful keys. I only got through two in the nine. I'm, gonna, I'm determined to get it right. I'm already ahead of the, the, the curve. It says, the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones. Say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I, as I was commanded, not as I felt, not as circumstances moved me. I prophesied. There are sometimes it's not how I feel, it's not what circumstance. Sometimes you just got to prophesy as you are commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over. Then there was, then there was but there was no breath in them. 
There was no breath. And also he said to me, now prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. I want you to know that that is a blueprint of what God is doing in East County. That is a blueprint of what God is doing in your life. That is a blueprint of what God is doing in the world. It's God's signature. It's life where there was death. It's hope where there's been hopelessness. It's recovery where there's been bondage. It's freedom and liberty where there's been addiction and bondage. It's breakthrough. Come on, to those who have been struggling, it's life. It's prosperity, it's blessing to those who have been dead in sin and in the curse. So let me give you three quick thoughts. The first one is what I call the battle of believing. The battle of believing. The battle of believing. It's not just believing, it's the battle of believing. In Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus said, whatsoever things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. How many people know that prayer is important? How many people know that prayer is asking? Did you know that? Prayer is asking God. I, 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 Pastor Mike and Lisa will tell you, because uh, my dad was an atheist, so I didn't get to grow up in church. So my, my baptism into church kind of uh, circumnavigated religious rituals. But I noticed, I noticed that some of the, the very, very super spiritual people would pray prayers like, Lord, we just ask that you would just, and we just, and I could never, I could never get a, like it sounded pious, but it's almost like the Holy Ghost was like, uh, because just, Lord, we just, It's almost like, God, I, I know, I know I'm, I'm in imposition. God, and I don't want to ask for anything big because I don't want you to break a sweat. So, you know, we just ask that you. The Bible says the prayer of faith will save the sick. It doesn't say the prayer of sincerity or the prayer of piety. or the. So, so you'll find if you get on, on this platform and pray a just prayer, you'll actually go back into the bench until such a time as that language is removed. Jesus says, whatsoever things you ask for in prayer. In fact, I would even say that the size of your ask is the size of your faith. The size of your ask is the size of your faith. I did put a K on there, the ask. Got to be very careful. You've got a really large ask. What sort of things you ask for when you pray, believe that you receive them. You were created to be a believer. You were created by a speaking God. The reason we're in this mess is because Adam and Eve in a garden believed that they weren't taught to not believe. God had already given them the truth that their spirit should have picked up. Something doesn't line up. When the serpent says, has God really said? Has God, has God really said? God knows. The mess that we're in is because they believed a lie. 
the common denominator, every single life that is jacked up in San Diego, in East County, every area in my life that is not congruent with kingdom, it's very, very simple. I can reduce it all down to, I believe a lie, I don't believe the truth. That's why Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall bring freedom. You shall know the truth and the truth shall bring you into liberty. The truth shall bring you into breakthrough. The devil is a liar. The Bible says in Romans 12 that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Your life is transformed as your mind begins to become renewed as you walk out of the lies and the deception of the devil that says this, this poverty is just God's lot. It's just generational. Oh, no, no, you have the, you have the, 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 the ge genetic disposition towards diabetes, towards your, your life's going to be short. Your uncle died of cancer, your, your grandfather died of cancer, you probably, you, you don't have, you don't have to, my Bible says that when I am born again, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new, I am a new creation, what, it, the, the, the curses that we live under are curses that are incongruent with scripture, I don't know about you, but I, I when I got saved, I got saved, when I started reading the Bible, I started believing the Bible, I don't know how to preach to you a religious watered down, diluted, contaminated, perverted, perverted version of the Bible that compromises what God has said. I'm in the place where God not, not only said it, but it is written. And it is written that when you are born again, there is a different DNA on the inside of you. There is a different flow. There is a different nature on the inside of you. Yes, I still struggle with a flesh nature, but there's another nature, a kingdom nature, a God nature at war in my members. Whichever one I feed the most flourishes, and I've made a decision like you. I want to be smart. So on a Sunday morning at 11 a.m., I'm going to find myself at Awakened Church in the house of God, lifting my hands in worship, hearing the preaching of the Word of God, because I'm building my spirit, man, because I know God's got great things for me. Can somebody say amen? The biggest battle, the biggest battle is believing. Because you and I live in a culture and in a world, Jesus described it this way. He said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. This is 2,000 years ago, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring the child to me. Faithlessness and perversion always go together. Where the gospel is preached, perversion decreases. Where the gospel is opposed, perversion increases. Why do you think the perverted oppose the gospel? Why do you think they don't want the gospel in schools, but they want drag queen reading hour in schools because they, they, they want to diminish faith so they can increase perversion. Jesus talked about, oh, unbelieving, faithless, perverse generation. That's the culture around about you. That means that I can't get no faith from my culture. I can't get no believing from my culture. And yet here, God comes to Ezekiel and Ezekiel sets Ezekiel down in a valley full of dry bones. And he says to him, son of man, can these bones live? When he looks this way, he sees death. When he looks this way, he sees death. He's surrounded by death. He's surrounded by hopeless. He's surrounded by game over. But I love Ezekiel. He doesn't say, no, it's impossible. He says, Lord, you know. I like that answer. Lord, you know. In other words... I don't want to say God because I'm speaking to a God with whom all things are possible. Do you know my biggest battle is believing? 
Believing is the conduit through which gets heaven into the earth. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shh. Sorry, religious man. Keep going. Then he cried out all the louder. Jesus, son of David. Will you shut? Then Jesus stops, commands him to be called. They said, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. Then the blind man got up, throwing aside his garment, he came to Jesus. Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? If you were one of the disciples, you'd be like, duh. <laughs> kind of obvious, Jesus. That wasn't a great question. Jesus never asks a question because he doesn't know the answer. He says to blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do? You know what he's asking? He's asking the same question God asked Ezekiel. God was measuring Ezekiel's believeometer. I, I want to know where, where's your believeometer at? God continually comes to me and says, Where's your believeometer, Jurgen? When he sent us to San Diego, I believe that God was going with us. We get here and God gives me a vision of a baseball diamond. He says, not one church in one location, one church in four locations. I'm like, oh, dear God, I don't know anybody. How am I going to, like one church, in, are you kidding me? He says, oh, and I forgot to tell you, you're not allowed to hire anybody from the outside. You've got to raise up all your own pastors, all your own leaders from inside. Thank you. And so... But I found that it was, it, was, it, was, it was God measuring what can I believe him for. So Jesus says to blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? If blind Bartimaeus would have said, I haven't had lunch, Jesus would have got him lunch. I have no place to stay. Jesus would have found him somewhere to stay. But he says, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Listen, watch this, watch this. Jesus says, according to your faith. Other translation, according to what you believe, let it be so. Everything moves from heaven into the earth through the mechanism of belief. You know, the number one thing that Satan attacks, faith. You know what Jesus said? Jesus says, when I return, will I really find faith? He didn't say, when I return, will I really find tolerance? Will I really find compassion? Will I really find love? Will I really find kindness? He says, when I return, will I really find faith in the earth? The number one thing that Satan attacks is faith. Why? Because faith cometh by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and hearing by the word of God. The devil knows if you hear the word of God, faith rises. As faith rises, your belief rises. Belief is just, belief turns into faith when belief meets God's word. When belief meets this, you were created to believe. Everybody here believes something. You believe that the seat was going to hold you up. You, everybody here is a believer. But what you believe is essential. I don't know about you, but I'm with the Apostle Paul. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's my default. I'm going to start there. Let God be true and every man a liar. And then you can prove that you're not a liar by how much you line up with God's word. But I'm believing God. I'm belie so so God, God, God is looking for people who believe. Can I say this? When you were born again, you were born again into a kingdom. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is different to, the, to the, the spirit of the world or the culture of the world around about you. It has different laws. 
It has different precepts. It has a different culture. One of the biggest battles that you're going to have is, is, is you, you come in, but you're believing your history. You're believing your past. You're believing the generational stuff. You're believing your circumstances. You're believing all of those things. And there's no, there's no judgment. That's, that's just the reality. But now you're in a kingdom. And now you're born again. And you become a new creation. And there are promises flowing. You better believe it. You better believe these promises are flowing. And, 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 and religion, the spirit of religion says, well, hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't so far. Not so fast. You think you deserve all of these blessings? You're lucky to be saved. So most people exempt themselves. Say, well, you know, I don't deserve these blessings. You didn't earn the blessing. But an old man of 112 years of age woke up early in the morning took his only begotten son, saddled donkeys, took his servants with him and rode three days journey to the mountains of Moriah to a place that the Lord had shown him, said goodbye to the servants and took this promise that he waited a hundred years for and lay him on an altar, took out a knife and then heaven says, stop, stop, now I know. Now I know that you will not withhold from me even your only son. Therefore, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. The Bible says in Galatians 3.13 that Jesus became a curse as is written, cursed is any man that hangeth on a tree. He became a curse to redeem us from under the curse that the blessing of Abraham. Abraham paid a price so that you can walk in blessing but a religious demon will try and cheat you out of it saying you're just brand new saved. You're just new. You don't do it. You, you are walking, you and I are walking in blessing and favor. We did not earn but you better believe Moses earned something. You better believe that Abraham you better believe that Yeshua HaMashiach on the cross. Anyway. The battle is believing. The battle is believing. What can you believe God for? When I was in New Zealand, a pastor came to me and, and you know, we, we had a difficult time. My, my dad, when I went to Bible college and left engineering, said not one cent, not one cent of support. And, you know, true to his character, I didn't get one cent of support. So I, I, was kind of, I was kind of cut off on my own. I remember driving to Bible college. I was just starting to, to court my beautiful Leanne. And I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, I'll never own a home. I'll never own a home. We finished Bible college. I get engaged to Leanne. I move to New Zealand. I fly back. We get married. She comes back with me to New Zealand. While we're in New Zealand, uh, God really began to deal with my heart. And he began to teach me that I didn't have to have a salary, a big salary. I didn't have to have money. I didn't have to have all of these things, all the accoutrements of this life that make life sweeter. There's a God in heaven whose arm is not shortened that it cannot save. And so he began to teach me that, 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 that my future required me to learn to activate my faith, to believe, to believe for the impossible. He'll set me down in a valley of dry bones and says, you have no salary, you have no way, but do you believe that I can provide you with a home? You don't know anybody in San Diego, but do you believe that you can have one church in four locations and then I'll multiply that to one church in 16 locations? Do you believe that you can have pastors that are greater than any pastors you can find from ORU or any of the seminaries around that you have some of the finest? Can you believe? Can you believe? 
had a pastor say, prophesy, and he said, God's going to give you whatever you believe him for. So we began to believe. Point number two is what I call the warfare of words. The warfare of words, because once you believe, it has to change your confession. So Ezekiel, Ezekiel then is instructed to prophesy, say to these dead bones, hear the word of the Lord. In this church, we don't speak about the situation. We speak to the situation. We don't speak about divorce. We speak to the spirit of divorce by declaring how marriage ought to look, how you can have an awesome. We don't speak about the suicide statistics and depression. We speak about life and life more abundantly and how awesome life is. We, we put the word of God in our mouth. When Leanne was, sorry, when Leanne and I were in New Zealand, a prophet came from South Africa called Ed Trout. And uh, I, I'm, I, I've always been a prophecy magnet. And the reason that that's the case, I used to wonder what it was. I wasn't really wearing bright clothes, although I do love bright clothes. <laughs> but I read in the Psalms, if my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. And so I was always, I'd be in a crowd like this. And then every single time I would, no matter where I sat, the prophet would find me because my parents said, so the Lord would take care of me. Well, this prophet from South Africa says, I don't know you, but you know, I'll tell you right now, God's hands on me and he starts telling me stuff about my family, about my brothers, about my life. And then he says to Leanne, um, what do you say? He'll always be wild. No, what was it? He'll always be, yeah, he'll always be wild. Nobody can tame him. Don't try. But she keeps trying. She keeps trying, disobedient to the prophet. And then he says, you know, and then he says to her, he goes, you know, are you pregnant, darling? And she goes, no, 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 we've got a five-year plan. She goes, oh, okay. Keeps prophesying. Comes back and goes, are you sure you're not pregnant? She goes, no, 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 we've got a five-year plan. And then at the end of the prophecy, he goes, you're pregnant. <laughs> we discovered that when there's a prophetic word from a powerhouse prophet, contraception doesn't work. <laughs> so Leanne ends up pregnant with our, with our firstborn, Jordan. But he prophesies and he says, I see you, I see you under incredible pressure. I see you in distress. I see you needing things to be supplied. God's gonna pay your school fees. I don't know where you live right now, but God is going to give you a home. God is gonna give you a home. We took that word. I didn't share this in the nine, but the associate pastor of our church, if you're a David, you're always gonna have Saul's. If you're an Elijah, you're always gonna have Jezebel. You can choose not to be a David, not to, because you don't wanna deal with Saul or Jezebel. I'd rather deal with Saul and Jezebel and be a David and Elijah. So the associate pastor pulled me into his office and said, what's this, what's this? I hear rumors, some of your youth leaders are believing that you're gonna, uh, you're believing that God's gonna give you a home. I said, yes, sir, you, know, you, you were there, you heard the prophet. He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, you don't earn enough. The home you're renting. I'm like, ah, cancel. God's going to give us a home. That's what I'm believing for. And he's like, because he, his background was banking and finance. He's like, you need it. So he speed dials in front of me, every single bank. He says, this is Jurgen. He earns 18,000 New Zealand dollars a year. 
Would you give him a loan? No, no, no. One of them did. God bless them. Uh, uh, the Auckland Savings Bank, ASB Bank, said, yes, we'll give him a loan up to $40,000. And I said, um, oh, I want to buy a house, not a car. <laughs> so he said, just get it out of your head. God can't give you a home. I left that day saying, you can blow it out your shorts. God is going to give us a home because God is not limited by your lack of faith. It's amazing how many people want to rain on your parade. So there's a, there's a, there's a true story and I'll, I'll condense it. So we're renting a house and the, the people told us that we could have this house for about three to seven years, you know, and Leanne's pregnant. So it's important for us to be in this house. But then six months into the, the rental, uh, they sold the house from, and then just informed us through a letter. Jordan was born on a Thursday and we had to move out on the Friday. But before Jordan was born and before all the, all the stress of Liam was obviously very, very pregnant. And this one night, I'm just praying in my living room because I'm, I've got nowhere to go and they've sold the house. We've got six weeks to get out and I don't know where to go. And then the word of the Lord comes to me and he says, I want you to, to, to praise me for the house I've given you. And I'm like, God, I'd love to. <laughs> I'll be the first to start. Take the shackles off my feet so I can. I mean, I said, God, I'm ready. Just, just, oh, I know you're busy. I know you're busy, all this stuff happening with China and Taiwan and stuff. Um, slide oversight on your behalf. What home? I said, you give me the home, I'll be glad to praise you. And God rebuked me and he he said to me, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean I haven't given it. Praise me for the home I've given you. Ask Leanne, it's about 10.30 at night. She's already in bed. I wake her up and I say, God, God told us we have to praise him for the home that, that he's given us. She's like, what home? I said, God. I said, you just have to put on your, put on your dressing gown. And she's heavily pregnant with, with, with Jordan. We take Lulu, our dog, and I, I was driving through all the, the cheap, nasty areas where there's gangs and graffiti and broken windows to find a home. And Leah's like, what are we doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm trying to find you a home. I don't want to live here. I said, where do you want to live? She goes, Waddle Downs. I'm like, what? We can't afford Waddle Downs. She goes, I thought you said God was supplying. I hate it when your wife believes the word of the Lord as well. Holds you accountable. So I said, you're right. So we would drive down to Waddle Downs. We'd lay hands on people's mailboxes and prophesy until they came out. Then we'd kind of scamper off, hide in the bushes and then run back. So true story. So, so isn't it true? We get 10.30 at night. She's in the car. Lulu's in the back. We'd pull up at this, in front of this house that we were kind of believing for. And, uh, and you know, Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. Yay. You're awesome. And the Holy Ghost says louder. I said, oh, baby, he wants us louder. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you for the... And he says, no, 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 louder. I said, he wants it even louder. And Leanne's looking, thinking, what have I married? And uh, thank you, Jesus, for the house. God, we thank you. And he says, get out of the car and stand on the lawn in faith. So we get out of the car and I'm leading my heavily pregnant wife 
and we're standing in somebody's front lawn. And then the Holy Spirit says, not in English, in tongues. So we've got our hands lifted going, in tongues, in the middle of the lawn, the light comes on, the porch light comes on, the curtain opens, here is this 27-year-old, 26-year-old, 20, yeah, 26-year-old, holding the hand of his 19-year-old bride, who's heavily pregnant, in the middle of their lawn, speaking in a foreign language. The guy comes out, probably thinks he's dreaming. I'm thinking we're going to get shot. Leanne stops. I'm about to stop, and the Holy Spirit said, don't stop, keep going. I said, we can't stop, we've got to keep going. It gets worse. Lulu finds a cat and starts chasing this cat around the house. The, now the, the wife and the husband are looking through the window, and Lulu decides that the lawn needs fertilizing. We don't have a plastic bag. This is before plastic bags. This is before you pick up your dog doozies. Leanne's like, I've never felt so embarrassed. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I know. And we're praising God for the help. We get in the car. Leanne just looks at me. I'm like, don't even ask. We drive home. I feel like, you know what, tomorrow I will check in to the mental asylum. <laughs> Nine eight. The next day, Leanne's, Leanne's pushing a grocery cart. And we have this sweet lady who was kind of, uh, became really my head, head usher. And she would come in, fold all the newsletters, organize the teams for me. She was magnificent. Her name was Joni. Her husband fought in World War II, was a World War II vet. And uh, he was very, very, very close to the gospel just because he couldn't reconcile, you know, a sovereign God and people dying. Not, not realizing that man has free will and that evil is in the earth, but that, that's just where he was at. And so uh, Joni says, oh, you know, I, I hear you guys are uh, like looking for a home. And Leanne goes, yeah, yeah. She goes, where are you looking? Leanne says, well, Waddle Downs. Waddle, my daughter is selling her home in Waddle. You guys should buy it. So Leanne calls me, oh my God, oh my God. It was a God thing. Last night we're praying, thanking God for the home in Waddle Downs. The next day, like I run into, I never run into it before. It's God. So we get the address. We drive down there, and we and it's, I put my hand on the mailbox, to, you know, to pray. And it's as soon as I put my hand on the mailbox, Scripture comes to me straight away. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. So I said, the wealth of the sinner. I said, oh, hang on, Holy Spirit, behave. This is Joni's daughter's house. God. So I put my hand back there, you know waiting for a different scripture, and it comes again. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. I'm like, Holy Spirit, stop it. God, behave. Put my hand back on there. Comes a third time, but this time I feel like this unction, like that's the word of the Lord. The wealth of the sinner, sorry, Joni's daughter, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. This is Joni's, sweet Joni's daughter's house. What I didn't know was that the reason they were selling the house is because Joni's daughter and her husband uh, got headhunted by a big company in England, and so he moved to England, or they relocated to England. 
and the company had exploded and so he hired a secretary and then he was traveling around different parts of England and was traveling with his secretary and I guess you know budget might have been tight because they were sharing the same hotel room and so there was some lipstick on the collar he has no idea the 2,000 miles away, or 10,000 miles away, I should say, 10,000 miles away, there's a youth pastor with a pregnant wife who the night before was praising God for the house that he had given, even though he hadn't seen. The next day he's laying hands, and the scripture that's coming is the wealth of the sinner is to, he's thinking, traveling around England, aren't I? With me cute little piece of trumpet here, aren't I? Having a little bit of on the side, aren't I? Nobody knows. Boy, there's a God in heaven that sees you by now. Boy, there's a God of heaven whose eyes watch the evil and the good in the earth. The wealth of the sinner laid up for the righteous. So he comes back to sell the home, but he spent, he's only going to be back for a week. He spends the first four days partying with his friends because Joni, Joni told him, oh yeah, well, I've, I've, my, our youth pastors, are gonna, they're gonna, he just thought it was a done deal. So I meet with him at the property on a Thursday and he's flying back on, on the Saturday. And so on the Thursday, you know, he shakes my hand and says, well, you know, the, the market value is about 200 grand. I said, oh. He goes, well, you, you're gonna pay. I'm like, I hadn't got to Guess, well, how much can you afford? I didn't want to say nothing. I don't want to offend him and say, we don't have any money. So I just, oh. Hundred? He goes, phone blank, blank, beep, 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 beep. Says something about my mother. I'm like, that's not true. Beep, 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 beep. Gets in the car, slams the car, drives off. And I remember, you know, kind of chasing him in the car. Oh, what about 108? And he wasn't happy. Anyway, on the Saturday, I get a phone call. And he has, he has to divorce it. So we get it for 108000 But the bank has to approve it. And I went to 108 because the bank manager said because it was worth 200 and we didn't have any money. If we could get some equity, we wouldn't have to put a deposit because we didn't have a deposit. But the problem is you still got to make repayments. And he said, listen, you don't earn enough money to be able to even make mortgage repayments. So we're going to have to see if a mortgage insurance company will, will back you up. There were three. There were three mortgage companies in, in New Zealand. Monday, eh, no. Tuesday, the second one, eh, no. Wednesday, we're meant to hear from the third one. And the bank manager calls me at four o'clock, like he did Monday, like he did Tuesday. And he says, listen, they haven't made up their minds yet. So they're gonna call me tomorrow, Thursday at four o'clock. But we'd already been given the go ahead by Joni to move in. So we've already ripped up the carpet, aren't we, baby? And tearing up the, the wallpaper. And so we're in, in, the, in, the, in the house. And, uh, and that night, Wednesday night, I, I go to bed and I'm, as, as I lay down, God speaks to me and I have this knot in my stomach and he says, they're gonna reject you. They're not going to back you up. They're not going to. And I'm like, no, 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 Holy Spirit. No, 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 you're God. You're God. You can fix it. You just got to fix it. You just got to fix it. God, I can't. No, I can't. I'm overwhelmed. I can't deal with this. You have to. I've got a little baby. Jordan's now born. 
we have a little baby in, in the room next door. I can't go, be kicked out. I can't be, we can't be on the street, a, a, a wife and a baby. Like, no, 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 God, you just got to fix this. Tossing and turning. Three hours later, God's not fixing Jack. So I get up, I can't sleep. So I walk down to the Manukau Harbor because we, we were right on the harbor. And I walk down to the harbor and the wind is boisterous and the waves are tossing on there. And as I'm standing there looking at you, I promise you, as I'm looking at you, I look out and I see a, a little fishing boat on the waves. And I'm thinking, what idiot is fishing at four in the morning in these boisterous conditions? And then I look and I see a human being walking on the water. And then he stops and I realize I'm seeing a vision. And he stops and I see him go like this. And I see one of the people in the, in the boat get out and begins to walk on the water towards what I now know is Jesus. And then I watch this guy as he's walking, look around and then I see him stop and I see him begin to sink. And then I see the other person run, Jesus run. And I just see as he's going under, I see Jesus grab his arm. Now, I knew the story that Peter sank and he cried out, Lord, save me, and Jesus saved him. I knew that. What I didn't know in the story was what I just saw. I saw Jesus pull him up, and then I saw the two of them together walk back into the boat. It didn't say that they swam to the bottom. And they got into the boat. Jesus pulled him up, and the two of them walked back to the boat, got, got into the boat. And then the word of the Lord came to me, and he said to me, Jürgen, even if your faith fails, I am here to pick you up. That is in the Peter song. You know the Peter song on the album? Reach your hand, keep my head from going under. God said, watch what I'm about to do. The next day, Thursday, four o'clock, bank manager rings, I'm so sorry. No one in New Zealand will guarantee, go guarantor for your loan. You cannot have a mortgage. The right thing to do is I have to call the, the sellers. So I call Joni. She says, look, come over. Talk to Ted. So I go around, knock, knock on the door. He answers. He's quite gruff. Invites us in. And, and I'm like, I, feel, I said, God, I feel so embarrassed. He says, so why can't you buy the house? I said, we don't, we don't have a deposit. How can you buy a house without a deposit? I said, oh, I'm, I'm just God. What God? And then he goes, why can't you? I said, because we don't earn enough money. How much do you earn? I said, that, that church is... God, this is not going well. It's getting worse. And then I'm like, Jesus, I'm so embarrassed. He goes, wait here. He gets up and he storms out of the room and beautiful Joni comes in and she's made some, some iced tea. And then the, I'm like, Jesus, I'm so embarrassed. And he says, watch what I'm about to do. Ted comes in, he's carrying a, carrying a, a, a shoe box and he walks in. He sits down, he puts it on the table in between me and him. He gets tears in his eyes and says, points at Joni and says, when mum and I moved here from England 40 years ago, she was pregnant with our first. I was working in the building trade, but we had no money. He says, and the builder I worked for, he would build homes and he would get a commission for building those homes. One of those commissions he got and he gave it to us so that we could buy this home. And then tears fill both his eyes. He goes, in all my life, I've been waiting to do this 
to somebody else. He said, how much do you need? He said, 16,000. I wish I said one million dollars. But I, I was honest. He said, we need $16,000. He takes the lid off. He starts counting out $100 bills, 1,000, 2,000, up to $16,000. Puts it back into the box, pushes it forward and says, go and buy the house, son. Go and buy the house, son. Come on, stand to your feet, I'm over time. got saved on a beach. I did go to Hillsong Bible College. I did three years in two. Bible says, if you give a cup of water to someone who's a prophet, you will not fail to receive the prophet's reward. Whatever ministry you sit under, you need to understand whatever ministry you sit under, the spirit, the anointing on that ministry flows to you. I believe that God sent us to San Diego to give San Diego what it didn't have. When we came here, they said, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Just give San Diego what it's already got. And God said, no, no, son, I didn't send you from Sydney to San Diego to give San Diego what it already has. Just turn your palms towards heaven because I want to impart to you today believing faith and a believing anointing. When Leanne and I lived in Sydney, we lived next door to a very, very beautiful, beautiful family. His grandfather, his grandfather, just 40 years earlier, was the richest man in Australia. When my friend Peter was born, his, his grandfather put a million dollars he was born in the late 60s, put a million dollars in the late 60s into his bank account that he wasn't allowed to touch till he was 21. At 21, just with compound interest, it would have been over $25 million. Instead, his father, his grandfather's son, squandered every cent. One generation built the wells. The next generation basically devoured the wells and the third generation had nothing, only poverty and ashes. Some of you, that's your story. You're here and life's a struggle, life's a challenge, life's difficult. I need you to understand there is a God who introduces himself, introduces himself as a generational God. I'm the God of Abraham, Yitzhak and Yaakov. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's a God of generational and he's a God that breaks generational curses. And he's a God that restores generational blessings. He's a God that, that provides homes. He's a God that does miracles. He's a God that heals. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit with power and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. You don't have to live under a curse. The doctors have said you've got the disposition or you've got the genetic sequencing for diabetes, for, for heart condition, for breast cancer, for, for lymphomas. For You don't have to live with that. You are born again. You are new creation. Break the spirit of that thing. Don't come out from under that agreement. Come out from alignment with that thing. Come into alignment with what God has said. 
what God has said. Father, with our hands turned towards heaven, I thank you for blessing. I release blessing. Those who have lost inheritances, I thank you, Lord God, that this is the generation that their testimony, we recovered all that was lost, that which was stolen, that which was squandered from them. Father, I thank you, this is the recovery generation, that everything that was squandered and stolen comes back. This is the recovery generation. Those who are believing that have had to start from the bottom of the barrel, like Leanne and I did. Father, that, that, Lord God, I thank you, the blessing is coming, the provision is coming, the miracles are coming. You did a miracle for Leanne and I. We had not one cent, not no, no deposit, and yet you came through with a breakthrough. Can I just tell you this, with your eyes closed and your palms towards heaven, God is no respecter of persons. God does not love me more than He loves you, but God is a respecter of principles. And the principle that He respects more than anything else is believe. Whosoever believes will not perish. Whosoever believes will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whosoever believes, the Bible says all the way through, Make a decision today, God, I choose to believe. If you struggle with your belief, it's very, very simple. It's what you're feeding on. You're feeding on too much of the world and not, not, not enough of the Word. Come back to the Word of God. Come back to the promises of God. God is not a man that He should lie. He's a promise-making God. He's a promise-believing God. Uh, sorry, He's a promise-keeping God. He's just looking for a promise-believing people. He's a promise-making God. He's a promise-keeping God. He's a promise. He's just looking for a promise, believing people. Say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, today I believe your promises. I reject the lies of this world and the lies of the devil. I break all alignments and I come into alignment with the Word of God, with your promises. I am redeemed, saved, born again. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.